Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from San Diego is Melinda Shapiro. Melinda is Senior Director of Compliance at National University. And today we're going to be talking about enterprise risk management and how they handle things there. First, Melinda, thank you for taking time out of your day to talk to us. Yeah, thank you for having me. My pleasure. So, you went on a bit of an ERM journey. Um, why don't we start with the beginning? How were things when you sort of began this journey in terms of the enterprise risk management process? Sure. I like to give people a little bit of a background first on National University, and I think that will help uh, give other compliance officers a framework for where I started. So National University, just to say a little bit about it, they're a veteran-founded nonprofit and one of the largest private nonprofit universities in the U.S. having over 40,000 students and nearly 200 programs. And just about all the courses can be taken online. So this gives people kind of a framework that sets the stage for the state of the ERM. So it was almost two years ago, I transitioned into compliance from legal at NU and knowing nothing about the ERM process, uh, I started in October of 2021, and I had to present just a few months later uh, to the audit committee in January of 2022. And the good news was the framework was there. Leadership buy-in, uh, the process was there, and the audit committee had been supporting the ERM for a number of years. Some of those pieces of the process for the report are the same as they are now going through, you know, going to all the primary risk owners, reviewing their area from the primary year. But after going through the existing process, two major items stuck out for me. And that was the one year cycle and the format of the report itself was unclear and not very transparent. So tell us about the change and what some of the factors were that led up to it. The change was in the way that the report was done and structured, a couple things. It was a one-year cycle, and then the structure of the report was very difficult to analyze the mitigation actions against the risks in the particular area. So what I mean by that is the report had these major risk areas, or we call them buckets, and within those buckets was just a big paragraph format of all the risks and somehow at the end of that paragraph there was a risk score and then after that were the activities and those were the mitigation efforts and they didn't all align with that the items and the risks that were in that paragraph so it was very difficult to extrapolate qualitative data with that format yeah, it sounds like it would have been. I mean, this is one of those cases where a chart says a lot more than a narrative would ever do. So how did you decide what would you'd be doing instead? What would be the better approach? Yeah, so as you said, it was a little di that that was difficult. <laughs> and as most people in the industry know, major internal or external events are great motivators for change. And at NU, there was a lot of change in a short period of time. In the last few years, we have undergone a lot of transition from transformation. We've undergone a merger 
to a new compliance officer. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I wanted to show the audit committee something new, and I wanted to be able to tell them a story about the data. So at the time, NU had two other affiliates, and I took all three affiliates and did a three-year comparison chart of the trends in the designated risk buckets. And when I did the comparative analysis between the three affiliates, the data showed a lot of divergence. For example, one of the risk categories was really high for one affiliate in the previous three years as compared to the other affiliates showing the same category as low. So what does that mean? So when I talked to the audit committee, I said it either means that the three affiliates are very, very different or that we're not aligned in our processes or that the way the current ERM is structured does not lend itself to good qualitative data. And they agreed. Yeah, I can imagine the amount of consternation there would be when there was such wildly divergent um, assessments of things and the need to definitely change things. So um, you also took a lot, a, a long look, as I understand it, at some of the trend data. Um, what did you see once you were able to look at that? When you drilled down, you couldn't because it was a whole bucket. Like, for example, it was an entire um, area of the university, um, like human capital, or we have a, you know, that's one of our buckets. Uh, and so to say like, hey, the human capital area is really high for the last three years in this one affiliate, and it's really low in the other affiliates, what does that data tell you? Does that tell you that the whole department is at risk, at this high level of risk? And seeing that for the first time, the audit committee realized, wait, that's, we agree, there's something not quite right here. And so that was part of that major catalyst for saying, if we could, well, this is where the SEC comes in, right? And list out each risk individually, because it's really not the entire area, it's the individual risks that we need to focus on what in that bucket is making that risk category so high so that we can focus on mitigation efforts or focus on, you know, if we need policy changes or is there a gap here? And you said this is where the SCCE comes in. Uh, I appreciate the compliment, but can you explain how? Sorry. Yeah, enter enter the, uh, the winners, the heroes of this podcast. <laughs> So I went to the SEC conference in June of 2022, and that's when I met the most two influential people that have helped me to revamp this process. And it was Vin Lacavera, the AVP of Compliance and Ethics at GMU, who literally wrote the book on compliance, and Christina Packer, director of ERM at UMass. And she had presented what I would consider transformative for me, a new process for the ERM. And in particular, I loved, there were two people that presented, uh, but she presented taking the ERM from a one-year cycle to a two-year cycle. That was mind-blowing changing for me because the one-year cycle was so short there was no time to do any look back. There was no time to do any benchmarking or trend analysis. You were just 
that was it. You finished it. And then by the time you finished it, you had to then restart it the next year. So by stretching it out to two years, right, we were able to do the whole first year as just drilling down on individual risks within those risk categories. And then the second year, which we're going to approach right now, is focusing on the top five risks and the mitigation efforts for those, as well as risks with high impact categories. Um, and then seeing, doing a really, truly qualitative analysis on that. Yeah, it sounds like it definitely would lead to a much uh, richer process. So what was the outcome of the change so far? You mentioned that it's been terrific for you. What's been the reaction of the board and others? Yeah, so this is uh, my nerdy excitement coming in here. So the team <laughs> built out customized tools um, where we listed each individual risk, like I said, and then we weighted and ranked them. And so for this last June, very exciting. We presented to the audit committee our very first risk registry. So 70 risks were listed out and they were weighted and ranked. And so the audit committee was very pleased and excited about this next phase. The other concern that they had before that I'm reminded of was the one year cycle. They were hearing about the ERM report at the end of the year and their concern was that they wouldn't hear or get a report for two years. So I allayed that concern by saying, no, 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 you're not gonna hear from me <laughs> for two years. I'm not just gonna go into a hole. Uh, so that's where, when they got the risk registry at the end of the first year cycle, they're very pleased as well as excited to see, okay, great, we see your analysis now and the risks are all listed out and okay, what's next? Well, having a tool that works great for you and for the board is really the place you want to be. So finally, any last recommendations for people? If something is complicated, simplify it so that you can understand it. Because most likely, if you're not able to understand it, then other people won't as well. And the example that I like to give is we had a risk rating of one to five, a risk uh sorry scale of one to five and folks would tend to as maybe you might imagine they would choose three because it was safe and so christina packard had presented how she shortened that scale uh from one to four having experienced that same problem and trying to get people to drill down on more qualitative data and the risk rating uh, scale of one to four low, medium, medium, high, and high, kind of force people into that funnel. And so I would encourage people to, you know, seek out others and look at things from a different perspective. Because all I know was that our current process wasn't working and the folks that I met from the SEC, they opened my eyes to another way of doing things. That's a great gem to have. And one of those steps that's very practical and has enormous potential impact. Well, Melinda, thank you for sharing your journey with us and these insights. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.